Hello and welcome to the Reorg Europe podcast. It's Thursday, October the 29th. I'm Richard Woolley and for today's podcast I'm going to be speaking to legal analyst Shan Qureshi about German perfume group Douglas. But first we're going to hear from legal reporter Connor Lovell, who recently published a piece of analysis looking at the trend for judicial scrutiny of work fees paid to ad hoc group members. Connor, what are work fees and why are judges so concerned about them? Firstly, it has become commonplace in complex restructurings for members of an ad hoc group of creditors to demand a fee for the work incurred during negotiations before launching a scheme. In the convening hearing for an English scheme of arrangement, a major consideration for the judge is to consider whether payment of these fees, amongst others, fractures the class composition proposed by the company. The reasoning behind this is that if the fees are too large, then the interests of the ad hoc group and the scheme creditors may may no longer be aligned. Okay, and have there been any examples of cases uh, so far where a judge has said, you know, these these fees are too high? No, but judges have expressed increasing scepticism about rising fees and how they are calculated. Justice Trower noted in the KCA Deutag case that case law is slippery in this area. His concern was that incrementally rising fees could be justified by reference to other recent cases. Justice Snowden was particularly sceptical of the work fees paid to Noble's ad hoc group in 2018. He said the fees, quote, seem to have been computed simply on the basis of holdings of debt rather than by reference to any identifiable or measurable work actually done, unquote. Unlike law firms, financial institutions do not charge by the hour, so it's quite difficult for a judge to be sure that the fees are for the payment of costs already incurred and are not in fact an inducement to vote for the scheme. Snowden's term for this was a disguised consideration. As Snowden noted, the fees are usually calculated as a percentage of the principal debt holdings of the ad hoc group. In the case of Lecter, this was as high as 3.6%. For Codero, it was just 1%. Fees have also been subject to unsuccessful challenges by other scheme creditors in KCA and Codero. And it is important to note that work fees are not always disclosed to the court. This was the case for Selector, Flint and Premier Oil. Okay, and what reasons have judges given for actually passing schemes where work fees are concerned? Recent schemes by Premier Oil, Selector and others show that judges have been satisfied that work fees will not fracture the class if they do not confer a bounty or net benefit on the ad hoc group, they are limited to reimbursing costs actually incurred by the group, and they are not contractually connected to the success of the proposed scheme and are related to lock-up agreements or other pre-scheme arrangements. However, in the Codero scheme, Justice Falk added an additional consideration. She said it was also critical that the courts consider the cumulative benefit occurring to the ad hoc group from all the other associated fees and returns, and not just from the work fees alone. She noted that Codero's ad hoc group received an enhancement of 5.1% of the total par value of their holdings. However, a straightforward aggregation of the benefits is too simplistic an approach because it doesn't really take account of what is done in exchange for the fee. For example, holders may perform an underwriting service. But nonetheless, it is something for the court to consider. Shan, it's looking like Douglas is going to be facing a maturity wall in the next 18 months or so. What does its current capital structure look like and what are the key issues that are facing it at the moment? You're right. The group faces 2.13 billion euros of debt maturities in 2022. And this consists of its senior secured notes and its credit facilities. 
Now, after a dramatic fall in March in the wake of store closures and the national lockdowns imposed across Europe, the company's 2022 senior secured notes and unsecured notes have partially recovered after management reassured its investors on its liquidity needs and online performance. The senior secured notes are now trading at 90.94, and the senior notes, which mature in 2023, are at 65.67. The group's credit facilities rank parry with its senior secured notes. Now, Douglas operates a network of around 2,240 stores across Europe and has historically generated as much as 80% of its annual EBITDA during the festive season. Now, the earnings season seasonality is a key risk amid the COVID-19 pandemic and related restrictions. The group appointed a chief restructuring officer in June to reposition its stores network against the background of the changed market environment caused by the coronavirus pandemic. It's uncertain whether the group will look to permanently close the percentage of its non-performing stores in the future. It is, however, clear that the business performance in the upcoming Christmas period will be of an even greater importance, importance than normal. What's the story with the group's most recent earnings and liquidity? Because of COVID-19 store closures, Douglas's EBITDA fell to negative 8.8 million euros in the first half. Now, that's compared with 71.1 million euros a year earlier. Now, it did make an adjustment, however, to reflect the rent and staff payments that it actually made. And this lifted adjusted EBITDA to 67.8 million euros. Senior secured net leverage was 5.6 times at the end of June, up from 4.9 times a year earlier. And total net leverage, based on the balance sheet, was up by more than a turn, from 5.9 times to 7.1 times. Douglas's liquidity was 374 million euros at the end of June, but its position varies greatly during the year, in line with business seasonality as discussed, and also in line with working capital variations. In the last two years, it's ranged between 280 million euros to 560 million euros, traditionally peaking in the quarter leading to Christmas. It then returns to about 330 million euros by the end of March, and that's driven by the high level of suppliers payments made post-Christmas. All right, so in terms of the group's financial structure, what sort of options does it have, and when are they likely to be put into effect? Now, with Douglas, everything is dependent on Christmas trading period. The exact nature of a restructuring or refinancing will, will be dictated by this. However, the options currently available to the group include... Firstly, increasing liquidity. Now, this can be done either by incurring additional senior debt permitted under the terms of the notes and loans covenants, or using a consent solicitation paired with an implementation tool to amend its credit facilities and into creditor agreement to allow for a new super senior debt incurrence. Secondly, it could consider extending and amending the maturity of both its existing notes tranches and the credit facilities, and this can be done either consensually or using an implementation tool. Finally, and this is undertaking a much more extreme restructuring, it could try and equitise part of the group's secured debt and write off the junior debt. Now, obviously, the exact, strategy to uh, the exact strategy the group takes will be dictated by the performance of the group over the next three months. Let's talk quickly about implementation then. It's looking like the group's going to be putting the restructuring strategy into effect next year. And that's when the new German scheme comes into force. So how does that new scheme work? Yes, that's right. Assuming a restructuring takes place on a non-fully consensual contractual basis, an implementation tool will need to be used. Now, the English, the English law scheme of arrangement has traditionally been used in situations like this. However, the nascent German scheme offers an intriguing second option. Now, the German scheme is an out-of-court proceeding which can be used as an impl implementation tool to effect restructuring plans and bind creditors to the terms of an approved plan. Much like the English law scheme, 
Creditors will be placed into separate classes according to their legal rights against the debtor, and 75% consent value of each class is required to the scheme to the pa- for the scheme to pass. The, scheme, well, the German scheme also features the option of cross-class cram-down, which means that a dissenting class cannot obstruct a plan, plan which, which is approved by a majority of other classes. The German tool could therefore be used to implement and amend and extend solution for Douglas's debt obligations, or even a more extreme restructuring involving enforcement. Non-English debtors like Douglas have previously taken structural steps so they could use the English law scheme of arrangement. Dutch retailer Hema followed this strategy earlier this year. There are further precedents of German debtors amending the governing law of their debt documentation to English law, such as APCOA, in order to use the scheme process. Now, whether Douglas chooses to use the English law scheme or the German law scheme will be of great interest to German law practitioners. Because now there are obvious advantages to using the German scheme as it avoids having to undertake structural amendments and avoids challenges from dissenting creditors, as was the case with Galapagos. However, the German process is untested and has to compete with over a decade of successful restructurings implemented by the English scheme. As always, everything we've discussed on today's podcast is readable in more detail on the Reorg website, reorg.com. We'll be back in two weeks with another Reorg Europe podcast, but until then, stay safe and thank you very much for listening.